Welcome to episode 11 of Golden Shower of Hits. Today, Jamie and Mike will discuss Arcade Fire's 2004 debut record, Funeral. Hailed as a modern classic by the alternative music press, this record set the tone for modern indie rock for many years to come. This band has grown on me over the years after seeing what a strong live act they've become. I have a feeling they might be too Canadian for Jamie and too precious for Mike, but we'll see how it goes. Are you not familiar with this record? I wasn't until the last like two weeks. Is that right? Yeah. We All right. So we've had a completely opposite experience. I have a confession <laughs> to make. Okay. I barely listened to the record because I was all cocky. I was like, I know this record inside and out like the back of my hand. So I listened to it like every other day, you know, <laughs> while I was driving or doing right. other things. Yeah. And then I realized that there's just... I have all this, there's a lot of stuff about the record that I never noticed. There's a lot of, st- when, you know, when you listen to it critically, because I've right. been listening to this record since it came out um, and loving it for that long. Like as much as I want to talk shit about it because it's like a little bit precious, mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> I just think it's amazing, man. I think it's great. I mean, I'll make fun of it a little bit because that's what we do, but... Right. um yeah. So I, I barely listened to it. And then I like, you know, yesterday I drove for 16 hours and I listened to it a few times yesterday and I was like, oh, I don't know any of the lyrics. I didn't even know that one of the songs was in French. Yeah. I, I didn't know that either until last night, actually. So I had no idea. Uh, I'm the king of cramming. So uh, listeners may not know, but we record these episodes weeks in advance of uh, <laughs> of when they're actually aired uh, to kind of give us a buffer. You know, we have lives and uh, other things going on in our lives. So from week to week, you know, we may need to take a week off or something. And so with this record, we actually took two weeks off, I believe, right? Yeah. Luckily, we crammed in the beginning. Yeah. We were doing like, <laughs> we did like 10 episodes in three weeks, right? Two, three weeks? Uh, I th- I, we uh, we recorded a bunch of episodes, but it was only a, once a week. So we did like two months of recording before we released anything. So we, right. we had a big buffer that way, yeah. Yeah. So the show will never be topical. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a good idea that we did that, I think. Yeah, I, oh, I think so too. Yeah, because we, we have a, a good buffer now, which is great. So, so my point was uh, we had like two weeks uh, to listen to this record. And I thought, you know, my wife is a, a, a fan of this band. And so I'd heard these songs intermittently over the years as she... Because your wife recognizes what's cool a lot more than you do. <laughs> So don't worry. I, I have a, a wife that knows what's cool also. Right. I wouldn't know it if it bit me on the ass. She, uh, so, you know, I, I was familiar with some of the songs on the record. Um, but yeah, I thought I was going to dump on this record too. Uh, 
I really thought I was just going to make fun of it the whole time. And then, yeah, I was kind of thinking that, okay, maybe Mike really loves this record. And that's why he keeps putting off the podcast to force me to listen to it a bunch of times. So I actually come around on it. <laughs> I love that. That's like, that's a Jamie toy. This is like, <laughs> you think that I'm so calculated that I would try to influence you in that way. I love that. Yeah, no, it's, you know, my... Makes uh, me feel powerful. <laughs> you know, I'm the star of my own movie. And so to me, everything revolves around me. So you uh, wanting to take two weeks off, <laughs> the only thing that makes sense is you, you're doing that to force me to listen to this record more. Which I love it did, that. And it worked. So, <laughs> and it, it kind of sucks because I, I actually, I wrote some, uh, some jokey jokes in my notes. And, uh, I love that you, I love that you write all your jokes and then you read your jokes rather than <laughs> interpret, rather than interpret your jokes, um, from notes. Well, <laughs> I listened to the podcast, our podcast yesterday on the road yeah. and I was like, Oh, Jamie reads his jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that obvious? I, it's great. I feel I feel like I do a pretty good job where it's not obvious that I'm reading the jokes, but uh, I guess not. You, well, just the way we write we write things down and the way we speak are are two different things, right? Yeah, but I'm aware of that, and so I try to when I write things down, write it as I would speak it, and then I, you know, I kind of glance over it and then try to deliver the joke as realistic as possible, but. I am absolutely the worst actor ever. And so like I was hired by Nike to do a, uh, this commercial in the really? mid two thousands. Yeah. And, uh, they hired me. It was, uh, they had sponsored this really young up and coming BMXer and it was going to be like a commercial thing for him. And they hired me to play me in the commercial. Right. Well, like, what does that mean? They just hired me to be Jamie the BMXer in the commercial and I was awful at it. <laughs> They're like, you couldn't even be yourself. No, I couldn't. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to, and they're like, just be yourself. And I'm like, I'm trying. Like I was such, I'm such a bad We're, actor. I can't even pretend to be myself. <laughs> is it that you're just, you're too aware of the camera? I, I don't know, you know, and the funny thing is like, it's not nerves or anything like that. Like I could play a show in front of a bunch of people and, you know, not think twice about right. it. So, um, what if you knew you were being filmed for a TV, uh, thing? I think the issue is Would that change it. It's kind of like the red light, uh, issue, you know, like a lot of times when I'm recording, especially in like a studio that we're paying for. Right. I'll be like, this could be the take. You you know what I mean? Like, don't right. fuck this and then up. You get all choked up. This could be up. the you know greatest thing I ever do, and it's right now. You know, don't fuck it up. The point is, I'm an awful, awful actor, but I thought I was doing good telling the joke, the jokes that I wrote. <laughs> no, they're great. Apparently, they're, uh, they're noticeable. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> busted. Well, you also announced that that you have notes. That was another oh. thing. You're like in my notes. Oh yeah, and then and then uh, you know, like within a couple breaths, you you um you 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 recite a joke, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a, it's it's part of the charm of golden uh, showers. You know, it's funny. I I'll, I'll like spend a bunch of time like crafting a joke, and uh, 
you know, I, I really thought uh, there's a few times where I'm like, oh, this is a banger, right? And my joke about uh, I would gladly trade my Kid A record for a CD of 2,000 Free Hours of America Online. I thought that was like that. a great joke. And then off the cuff, you come up, you you do the, if this is the Twin Towers of Radiohead, then Kid A is their 9-11, which is like, is like the most brilliant joke I've ever heard. And it was totally <laughs> improv. I'm like, it's, motherfucker. <laughs> like that is, it's how I feel about it. Oh my God, dude. It was such a great joke. That bra- All right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, a, you know, we're coming right up on 9-11. It's a little bit of a regrettable joke. I mean, people make jokes about it, but really it's not funny. But it's funny to reference it as a joke. Like, right. where do we stand on that? What, on 9-11? Yeah. 9-11 as a joke reference, not as a actual funny thing, because it's clearly not funny. I mean, like, I immediately just was like, oh, God, did I say that? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, yeah, man. I live in New York. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like you have to, uh, especially in horrible things, you have to try to find, you know, the lighter side of life. You know what I mean? And so. Always look on the bright side of life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyway, you know, here's the thing. This album, Funeral, which is also, I mean. I've laughed. I've probably laughed at every funeral I've been to. (laughs) Cause I feel like I had, like, you know, we've talked about this, my whole approach to death, you know, but even though this album is called funeral, it feels super positive and it's a hundred times better than kid a. Oh yeah, for sure. A hundred times better. And (laughs) at the very least it's, it's a hundred times better. Let me drop this on you. This came out four years after Kid A, right? Yeah. Do you know how much this record cost to make? Uh, no. not $10,000. Wow. $10,000. I wonder what the budget on Kid A is. Let's let's look that up real quick. <laughs> you know, what's funny is in my notes is a bunch of Kid A bashing. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's going to be that and, and Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, yeah. And the occasional Jimi Hendrix on your behalf. <laughs> um, what was the budget for Kid A? Um, budgeting for kids. How to teach budgeting from age three to 18. Oh my God. That's not what I want to know. What was the budget for Radioheads? I wish, wish someone would have taught me budgeting when I was a kid. Uh, Radioheads Kid A meant to be listened to. Uh, it's not meant to be listened to. It's meant to be thrown out a window. Um, <laughs> how much did it cost? I'm sure that it cost... A ton of money. At least $500,000. Oh, God. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, maybe. Mm, I, you know what? I care not even enough to go all the way down the road. Good. Although probably after... Hey, cut it out. Go to bed, Rosie. Rosie, go to bed, honey. She's uh, getting after some flies. Um, you mean uh, sky raisins? Yeah, sky raisins. <laughs> just talking, you know, <laughs> just talking about Kid A brought the flies around. Um, <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing about this record, okay? Uh, this is one of those records that I, I'm never, I'm never one to adopt something that's like, 
oh, this is this just came out and it's the hot thing and all the kids are listening to it. Yeah. I lived in Portland when this came out and everyone was fucking listening to, you know, you couldn't go into a cafe or whatever without some fucking bi-level haircut hipsters spinning this one, right? Right. And I just liked it. But, and, you know, there were other, there were other bands of this era that they give me the same feelings as this, but this is my, this is probably my favorite of all of them. There's like clap your hands, say, yeah. Um, vibe similarly with me. And there's, um, what's that band from Texas? The polyphonic spree. Do you know this? No. Oh, it's great. You know, it's, it's got real like, uh, cult vibes. Like, like the cult. Yeah, like okay. cult vibes. Like they're no, not like the band The Cult. Oh. Like they look <laughs> like they're in a like they're in a religious group. Oh, gotcha, they all wear gotcha. robes and they're all like they've got their hands in the air, but they're not singing religious songs, but they feel very Jesus Christ superstar-y. It's amazing. It's amazing. Though I saw them live once and um and this was around that time, maybe a year or two later, and um Annie Clark uh, who later went to went on to do St. Vincent was the guitar player. Oh, I like her. Incredible. Yeah. She's she's current, right? Yeah, she's contemporary. Yeah, see, I, I know about contemporary things. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, but these guys they have that they they are of that era, that same era of all these other bands. Um and they get I don't know, they get away with doing the the thing that I always make fun of and, and say is so precious, like they have, there's like, there's, there's a little bit of overdriven guitar on it. Not a ton. There's a lot of acoustics. There's fucking, you know, piano and whatever, vi- like a lot of string instruments and accordions and shit. You know, it's like, yeah, it's pr- like, there's probably a banjo, you know, like there's, I feel like there's, way too much sound on all these songs like, oh i love like, the density of no it. there's just too many instruments if, I, I i think if this had like a more of a stripped down sound and even like a halfway decent drum sound i think i would enjoy this album way more well because here's the thing this this i don't know that there's a bad song on this record and there's not a lot of records that are like that you know and i was thinking about it and Every one of these songs, I feel like even if you've never heard this record before, every one of these songs is instantly familiar. Like that's how good the riffs are, you know, and right. or in the melodies. Like these guys are like the Black Sabbath of indie rock. Like it's just like, oh, of course, sure. you know, you hear the song and you're like, of course, this is familiar or great. Like it's just like, duh. Um, and that's like the that's like the key to like a really great song is is it just it is new, but it just, it sounds familiar and it seems like it's been, you've known it forever. You know what I mean? And almost every song on this record is like that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the, the, the melodies and, and, and stuff are so strong on this record. I, I just feel like all the instrumentation kind of subtracts from that for me anyways, you know? I, I like it. Who is that other broken social scene is a band that is also very, and they're, Canadian also. And there's just like a lot of sound happening. 
a lot of instruments. You know, Modest Mouse does that. They have a lot of a lot of sound coming off the stage, you right. know, and a lot of sound happening, so, you know, sonically in their music. And I mean, that's a stylistic choice. And as as a creator of that, that's that's the way they choose to present the song. And I'm eating it up, man. Yeah. This I mean, is not one of those like spoonful of ice, you know, don't give me a spoonful of ice cream and tell, you know, a spoonful of shit. Tell me it's a ice cream sundae. It's like, this is, this is great. They could play this on a, on a kazoo orchestra and it would be killer. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I like your ice cream analogy. You know, um, I love ice cream. Yeah, me too. I, I, I just had some. Every time I go to Cold Stone, I get diarrhea. And it's because <laughs> there's just too much fucking shit going. It's just too much. It all right. sounds great, you know, like, oh, yeah, add some crushed up Heath bars on it, you know. <laughs> and then I get home and I'm shitting my guts out, eating a modium out of my backpack. And, and, you know, when just like a bowl of strawberry ice cream would be fucking great. And, and I kind of wish that that's what this was. You know, it's like the songs are the songs are so strong. And, and, and you know. I mean, dude, there's six people in the band and they have six, seven, eight, they have nine touring people. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I understand wanting you to give your friends jobs, but holy shit. <laughs> you know, like, have you ever seen the, the footage of them all crammed into a freight elevator and performing? No, uh uh-uh. Oh, it's great. And the, um, so here's, here's something interesting. Their second record um, sonically sounds a lot better because they had, I'm sure they had a, a bigger budget. They had Kid A money for that record? They had Kid A money. Well, they were the, um, I think it was the fastest selling for their label, um, which was Merge Records. This this came out of Merge, mm-hmm. notoriously hip label. Never heard of it. And are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? No. Fuck you. Why would I know some label from Canada? No, it's not a Canadian label, you oh, it's dick. Not? Oh, okay. No. Uh, I think they're from <laughs> maybe, I think Merge is maybe from Chicago. Uh, Merge Records. Yeah, Where what are you is guys it from? They're from North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've put out a ton of shit. Super Chunk. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Archers yeah. of Loaf. Bob Mould. I like our, uh, Archers of Loaf. Yeah. You like Bob too? Not. I have a love hate relationship with Bob. All right, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was literally on the Amazon uh, web page for his biography or whatever the other day, and I was like, should I buy this or not? And I was just, and I decided to not buy it because I was like, I don't need any more reason to dislike Bob more than I already do. So <laughs> I decided right. not to buy it. <laughs> well, this record was their their best selling fastest selling release and i think that it's it's gone it did better than gold in the first couple years and i'll which is 500,000 in the states yeah. i think it did i bet it sold a million at this point i don't know but as an as an indie band on an indie label that's crazy whoa Whoa, wait a minute. I'm looking at Merge Records thing and the their second record debuted the Billboard 200 at number 2. Wow. 
and later reached number one with their third album. Is the was the second album Neon Bible? Yes, which sonically probably will be more to your liking, but I didn't. I and it's and it's a great record, but it it just kind of sounds like Bruce Springsteen to me. Oof. You know, uh, so I was doing a bunch of cramming last night for for the po- for this episode of the podcast, and uh, you bring up Neon Bible, and I know from the Midnight Oil podcast, I know how much you value bands win- winning uh, regional awards for their albums. So I thought I would point out that <laughs> <laughs> Neon Bible won the 2008 Juno Award for Alternative Album of the Year in Canada. So. Well, a Juno Award is, you know, it's like getting an American Music Award, just so you know. That's not a regional. Canada is a is a country with yeah. a large population of human beings. It doesn't it's have not a like population. winning a fucking, it's not like winning a fucking Portland Mercury fucking mammy. <laughs> so Canada has 37.5 million people in it. Okay. That's not that many people. United States has like 317 million people. Who cares? It's not, it's not, that's not a regional award. That's a national award. For a regional sized country. You're a dick. <laughs> you're, you're a dick. You know what? No, I hope, I, that when I, Canada, I, I, I hope that when Canada invades, they come, they come knock on your door first. I love <laughs> Vancouver. All right. Uh, I do like Canada, but you know. I'm not being a dick. I'm just letting you know that they won the Juno Award for Alternative Album of the Year. Do you know that they were nominated for a Grammy for this record? Yeah. This record was nominated for a fucking Grammy. Yeah, but the Grammys, dude. Let me just say it's I'm not uh, I'm not impressed that they uh, were nominated for a Grammy. I'm impressed that the Grammys were smart enough to nominate them. Well, I guess that's part of what, that's part of my point is that this was at a time when this was like the very beginning of indie rock and indie independently created music getting its comeuppance, right? Yeah. So... I'm trying to think. You know, actually, the presidents of the United States of America probably were the first indie band to get nominated and, like, go to the Grammys and and have a real go at it that I can, you know, that I can recall. Yeah. And that was, like, 97, 96, maybe, or something uh, something like that. Um, Maybe even 95, shit, when their first record came out. But Yeah, the Grammys are a fucking disaster, dude. (laughs) Well, yeah, of course. I mean, the Grammys are kind of like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or some, you know, it's all bullshit, really. It's sensational bullshit. And it's it's cool when, if you have a friend who is recognized by these organizations because you're like, oh, that's cool. It's, but none of them are like, oh, this is, I mean, some people are very proud of those. Well, they, you should be proud if you created something that you're that you're happy with and people recognize it, sure, that's worth being proud of, right? Yeah. But it's not like the fucking Bible of goodness, of musical goodness, right. you know? It's not like if you, you know, like Greg Dooley will never be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know? Mm-hmm. But 
is he someone who I think should fucking get a lifetime achievement award for the music he's created? Yeah. That guy's incredible. He's got an incredible body of work. Do you know who it is? I do not. <laughs> uh, Greg Dooley looks like a high school wrestler, according to Google. Well, <laughs> he is the singer of the Afghan wigs. He's a good high school wrestler, too. Yeah. Was he a high school wrestler? Yeah, there's a lot of pictures of him. No. Uh, yeah, images for Greg Dooley. D-U-A-L-Y. Uh, yeah, he's wearing a black singlet. D-U-L-L-I, you dipshit. Oh. <laughs> U-L-L. Is that the guy playing the Gretsch in the, uh, in the video that you guys did? The Rod Stewart one? Oh, no, he's the guitar player in that band, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Greg Dooley. Yeah, great. Uh, the Afghan wigs are great. You, would, I think you would like the Afghan wigs. Yeah, maybe. They're contemporary. <laughs> <laughs> in that they're still putting out records. Yeah, they're from the 90s. They, but they came out in the early night, late 80s, early 90s. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, also, the band's work has been named three times as a shortlist nominee for the Polaris Music Prize. So... What is that? I have no idea. But they were nominated. They were nominated for the shortlist. <laughs> nominated for the shortlist. Uh-huh. Does that mean all right, you're nominated for a further Oh no, I'm sorry. They were named three times as a shortlist nominee. So they were on the shortlist but did not win the Polaris Music Prize, I would assume. That's a confusing sentence anyway. Yeah. I would assume because of Polaris it either has to do with snowmobiles or Canada. So, or astronomy, <laughs> or a prog rock band. Yeah, and I mean, there's thirty seven point five nine million people in Canada, so big time. Thirty seven point five million prog rockers can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. This record, I think it's great. Sure, this record is fucking have- awesome. Does it have flawless drum sounds? No. Do I wish the drum sounds were better? I don't know. I don't care because it's like, this is what it is. It's not like, oh, our house would be better if we had a door that came off the kitchen. Let's just cut, cut it out and put it like, it's not, that's, you can't remodel a record. Uh, All the extra instrumentation on top of these amazing songs doesn't enhance the songs. It, it subtracts from the songs for me. So, I mean, you know me, I, you hear me complain about people using compression on drums or too much reverb on vocals. Like I just really like stuff cut and dry. Um, you don't even use a tuner. I, I do tuners are fucking awful except for this one that, that I have. I really like this strobe tune thing. But yeah, I would much rather tune at full volume on stage. <laughs> Actually, I love it because uh, you <laughs> I, I, I tune full volume on stage uh, without a tuner and it drives Guffy nuts when I do it. And I kind of do it just to fuck with him because he comes. To, he's so great. He always comes to all my shows when I was doing playing shows and he'd always stand up front and I'd always fucking tune at full volume. Right would you look right at him while you did it? <laughs> Ah, uh, so great. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite things, the messing with John. So, 
That's incredible. Can you imagine? Now, so check this out. That's what you do. Now, imagine nine people on stage. Imagine every, uh, obviously, they're not going to tune a piano or a keyboard, but every stringed instrument, violin, mandolin, banjo, guitar, electric guitar, bass, and drums tuning at once. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not, you know, that was never an issue in my band. It was a three-piece, and I'm so much louder than the bass player that, you know. (laughs) He could be tuning at full volume. and It wouldn't matter if he's out of tune or not, you know. (laughs) He's competing with an early 70s, 100-watt Marshall stack, you know. You can't, I don't think there's any winning against that. Uh, Here, can I tell you something that I, I don't know... I don't know why I thought this. Maybe it's because like half the songs on this record are named neighborhood number and then fill in the number. Yeah. One through like five or something. I don't know. Do you know? Is it five? Uh, I could look it up. It's, let's see, There's one, two, three, four. There's four. Okay. Which is like 40% of the songs, right? Mm-hmm. And so for some reason, I always thought that this was a concept album, like that this album told a story. Right. But I don't think it does. Even though I listened to it a few times yesterday, I, I don't know a single, I can't recall a single lyric on here except for the one about we'll let our hair grow long. And like that first song, Neighborhood Number One. Yeah. Great song. Fuck. All of these. I, I actually read all of the lyrics last night. And really, it doesn't necessarily seem to be a, a concept album, but the neighborhood songs are kind of tied together as stories about the neighborhood, I guess, or, or about, you know, this person growing up and experiencing life, I guess. I hear a couple other things. I didn't take any notes, by the way. <laughs> so, so all your jokes are off the top of your head? Always. Yeah. Um, so I swear that someone told me this. It could be a John Toyd. <laughs> even though it wasn't guffy oh we'll just call it a john toy maybe maybe john can uh pull this into his sphere of john toys let's hear it i swear that the arcade fire like this that this band and you can probably fact you can easily fact check this by looking on google but i it's not really my speed <laughs> yeah um I swear that someone told me way back when this record came out, maybe they even knew them or something, or they had, you know, they some sort of degree of separation from the band, that the band was actually named after, you know, a fire that happened when they were kids at an arcade. <laughs> no, for real. Like there was a there was an arcade that caught on fire and it was named for that. Like they, they called it the arcade fire, the event Yeah. for the rest of their lives. And I think they had friends that died in it. So that is a John Toyd. Uh, That's not true? No. Are you sure? Positive. Well, based on my reading from last night. So there was a interviewer that asked uh, this guy when. I don't even know what these guys look like, but I want them to look. They look like Portland hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know exactly what they look like. All all the people that came into Stumptown when you worked there or whatever. More right? than anything, I just want them all to look like that main character from the Altered States of Drugachusetts. The guy that's like, oh, is he cool, man? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. No. Also, <laughs> it's a Mr. Show sketch. Uh, um, it's a contemporary comedy sketch show. From like, what, 98, 99? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently the band, so the singer, I think his name's Wynn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wynn Butler. Somebody told him a made-up story of about an arcade fire when he was a kid. And it stuck with him, apparently. And but apparently that wasn't actually a thing. So yeah. So that's fake. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I thought it was in reference to uh everybody telling you that the album Zen Arcade was fantastic and then you listen to it and then what happened afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I tried uh, re-listening to that over the last week. Zen Arcade. There's some what do you think s- about Sugar? Uh, I, I don't. Really? Mm-mm. God, you're such a dick. No, I'm a Grant um, Hart guy. Right. All right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Uh, here's the other thing. Uh, okay, so mark that down as a John Toyd. We'll just give John credit. Although uh, although I pester you constantly to get John Bolt, uh, John, uh, John Bolt, fucking Bob Mold on cow traps. <laughs> I would love to. I don't know why, I don't know why that doesn't happen. Well, you know, um, there are only so many hours in the day. I know. And I just love to hear him talk about gear, you know? Do you know how many suggestions I get about what I should do with couch trips? <laughs> like all the time. I even, I get enough, I get enough that I even referenced in, in the intro of the hundredth episode where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I even appreciate all the shitty suggestions that I get. I mean, I didn't say that, but that's what I meant. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, even if a good suggestion came to me, I probably wouldn't. There's only a few people that I actually listen to their advice. And of all of the advice that I actually listen to, I take a fraction of that and try to apply it. So you say, wait, you're saying I'm wasting my time texting you at two in the morning about couch trips ideas? No, no, keep doing that. That's great. Let's keep doing it. It's really good. Uh, Christine loves it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me you have your do not disturb no, I, on it i do i oh, turn my God. phone off. i was like oh, yeah. jesus christ i would be like such an asshole no i turned i turned my phone off yeah no i text mike at all hours so here's the other thing i thought that that song wake up was the biggest single i think this this album had four singles but the song rebellion was the highest charting sig- single but I heard that this is this is what an incredible success story this album is, and and this is a weird um, way to measure success. But I heard that song "Wake Up" played during an NFL football game. Right. <clears throat> well, you know? I, you know, I think yeah, charts like the Grammys and the Polaris Award are bullshit. Um, but record sales are not. Well, I mean, even then. And the thing is, what? I don't know that record sales are a barometer of what a great record is. No, 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 no. There are plenty of amazing (laughs) records that haven't sold particularly well. But I guess what I'm saying is that for whatever reason, it, it really worked for these guys. Yeah. 
you know. So you and, talk about rebellion, which is a great song, but uh, yeah, Wake Up was played on the NFL thing, and Bowie joined them on stage to sing Wake Up. Like really? Yeah. So uh, oh, good God. Yeah, September 9th, imagine? 2005, the band appeared on the British U.S. television show special Fashion Rocks in which David Bowie joined them for Wake Up. This recording, as well as the recordings of the band's collaboration on Bowie's Life on Mars in five years. So what a fucking banger wow. show that would have been, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Here's the thing about that song, Wake Up. I, I, I really think that it's a classic, a classic for the ages song. It's got, it has got everything going for it. It's got, it's like up tempo, but it, but not fast, you know, not, it's not busy. It's not up tempo busy. It's like, it's a perfectly tempoed song. It's got those sort of, um, I talked about this recently on another episode where I was talking about like that hero song by, um, Foo Fighters, and yeah. I think that the um, the the Das Boot Band had <laughs> had a song that had like you know like tr- tribally sort of yeah drums like that. The difference is that, the, and and this has like a real sing songy. It's not even a chorus. That's the thing. It's a um, you know, it's a it's just a chant. It sounds like a it sounds like a football chant. Right. That's the great thing about it is you don't have to know the lyrics to sing along because there's, it's not a lyric. You know what I mean? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's brilliant. uh, And then that riff is just like hypnotic. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the only song on the album that has like distorted guitar. And it's just kind of like, it's not even, sounds like it might just be like a little, you know, champ or something yeah one chord Mm -hmm. it's so good yeah it's a fantastic song probably the best song they ever wrote i haven't listened to uh their neon uh to their uh juno award-winning album neon bible yet but (laughs) uh of the uh (laughs) or their other eight records (laughs) of the arcade fire songs i've heard that is uh by far the best. Uh, although Neon Bible you know, has a great album cover. Yeah, is it Neon? Yeah, really. But like I said, it kind of it's great. I love it, but it also kind of sounds yeah. like you know Springsteen to me. Just what the production or the uh, no the songs like, about working in a blue collar steel mill town. <clears throat> no, just like the delivery. Like it, they seemed like they were getting ahead of the curve on the eighties centric revivalist thing. Okay. You know, but not eighties centric in the way that like, uh, the, uh, the demonstration, but what the fuck were they called? The Das Boot band. What are they called? Drag, Drag Majesty. Majesty. Yeah. What are you stuck in the nineties? You don't can't remember the names of these contemporary bands, Mike? I mean, if I'm stuck <laughs> in the nineties, it's because I didn't do enough crossword puzzles and I think I still <laughs> I still think I'm working in the Pike Place market. <clears throat> hey, who, go get the lemons. Um Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I had a question about this record. What is the you you know uh, a lot about 
instruments and stuff. What is the piano that they're using on this album? Like, it sounds like a saloon piano. Are those different, uh, like a different pitch than a regular piano or something? Is it like a tenor piano? You know no, what I'm I don't about? think so. I think, well, I think that it probably is like a, what are they called? A spinet? You know, it looks like an upright, but let's see. Hold on. Let's look this up because I might be talking out of my ass. Spinet piano. I'm trying to remember what song it's on. Yeah. A spinet piano is a very small upright piano. Okay. <laughs> the second sentence says, they have several disadvantages over a console and studio upright <laughs> piano. <laughs> Um, but they're pretty cool. They're compact. You know, they just, you could probably more easily move it. You know, if you had an indie studio, it's probably one that you might use. Right. But I don't it's think perfect that it's for pitched anything. Di- it's just like a, it's just a little, it's smaller, but also, you know, like, um, a piano is sits up off the ground. Right. And then mm-hmm. the legs come down and the sustainer pedals come down. And this goes all the way to the ground. And so I would assume that the strings um, occupy all of that space instead of like an upright. I don't know. Hmm. I'm just just riffing right now. Right. I'm probably fully full of shit. (laughs) I I don't tell John Toids. There are no Mike Toids. (laughs) Someone knows. Well, at least I, you know, the difference between me talking about what I think might be a possibility is I say, well, I think it could maybe be this, (laughs) but I don't know. I never, I'm like, nope, that's absolutely 110. Like (laughs) it's the conviction in which you talk shit. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's it. What is it? What is the, uh, what does the title of number three mean? Do you know? Uh, Did you look that up? Neighborhood number three? Yeah. No, 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 no. Track three. Uh, It's uh, in French. I don't know. Um, I do know that neighborhood number two, Laika, is about, uh, is named after the Russian space dog. Oh, really? Yeah. She was. um, That's cute. uh, Yeah. It's such a sad story. So Laika was a, a stray they found out on the on the loose, you know, and they put her in a rocket and she was the first animal to orbit the planet. Um, Did she come back alive? No, they said that uh, she was going to run out of oxygen. So they euthanized her. Um, but uh, it came out in the two thousands. I think that she overheated and died. Oh, um, God, Yeah. So fucking awful. But you know, the thing about Laika is, I mean, who else remembers a dog from the fifties other than Lassie, you know? Um, so she, she's remembered and, you know, they have a statue for her out in front of the like Russian space agency. Um, there's been multiple songs written about her. And I think that her dying the way she did kind of kicked off the idea of not testing on animals. So you know, to go from this mutt uh, that's nobody cares about that's on the loose in the streets of Moscow to being the first living thing to orbit the planet and, you know, die a horrible death, but A, be remembered and B, kind of be the tipping point for humans to start giving a shit about, you know, not doing that stuff to animals. Very, 
Oh, man. Yeah. That bums me out. The sad story. So, um, yeah, in reading the lyrics, uh, I put that together that, oh, this is about Laika, the Russian space dog. Mm. So, or at least she's refer- that's that's what the name of the song is about. I love my dog so much that I I am thinking I don't eat much meat already, but yeah, I'm I'm thinking that probably being vegan is in my future. Yeah, I can't. I just I'm like, uh, like I can't eat pork because pigs are like as sweet and smart as dogs. Oh, absolutely. Like I can't eat that shit. Yeah, I I haven't eaten pork since the mid '90s. My dad got a uh, a pig, like a you know pot belly pig or whatever when that was popular, and uh, I met the pig and hung out with it, and it was awesome. And I was like, I I, I can't eat this anymore, you know. So, right. um, yeah. So I haven't eaten pork since the mid '90s. I stopped eating red meat uh, about three or four years ago. So I've never liked fish. Um, so just chicken now. So I try not to make friends with any chickens. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too darn good. So I really, I think that's going to be the hardest thing for me because I love to eat chicken. And most importantly, I love to eat a rotisserie chicken. Oh, really? Oh yeah. No, I can't eat rotisserie chicken. Why? Cause it, cause of how it looks like, like an animal. Yeah, it's it's like a fucking dead body on a skewer that's spinning well, in a you circle. On, you can you only eat like shredded canned fucking chicken breast? Yeah. You pussy. I hate the reality of food, Mike. I don't I, I don't like to eat anything that doesn't come in a four-color processed printed package. You know what I mean? Like my <laughs> wife grows shit in the backyard and she like picks it up out of the ground and eats it and it's just gives me the heebie-jeebies dude i'm like what are you doing so fucking weird to eat food that came out of the dirt in our backyard no that's that's where it's at does she eat like sprouts and stuff like that she's she she eats good food yeah you know quote-unquote good food so (laughs) it's fucking (laughs) like like uh yeah she was telling me she was drinking something called like pambiche or kombucha or something the other night and she's like oh it's like a, a it's it's like a like a uh, i i don't know what the fuck it was it was you're trying to tell me you don't know what kombucha is no she was telling me Jesus about it the other Christ. night it's like some kind of uh, it's a fermented germ or something that floats in water or something like i don't uh, well it's fermented and it's it's good for your good for your digestive system it's good for your guts um you could probably drink one after your trip to the Cold uh, Stone not. and do yourself some favors. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've learned my lesson on the Cold Stone, man. Oof. Yeah. It's rough. Uh, we, uh, do we have any idea of what these guys were doing before they were in Arcade Fire? Or is this their fucking first band? I think it was their first band. So... Like this, this dude's not from Canada. He went to Canada to go to college, and he met um, one of the girls in the band and married her. And they, well, they started this band, and then they eventually got married. She's the person that sings. Her name's Regina. Uh, she sings the last song on the record called "In the Backseat." It's a beautiful song, and uh, yeah, very heartfelt. 
And it's, and you know, my initial listening uh, to the record, I wrote down that the last song is the weakest song in the record, but the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Like, yeah, it, I can't even pick a weakest. Like this album is so strong that I cannot pick a weakest track. Yeah. I don't know that there is one. Which is a rarity, right? Yeah. Like, this is their first band. And other than like uh, like a demo or whatever, this is their first record. Like, they, they were like 20, <laughs> 21 or something when this comes out. This is unbelievable. Yeah. No, they're, I don't know what they've done I, yeah, other than Arcade Fire. I, li- I think I have Suburbs on vinyl. I think I have all, th- all three of the first records on vinyl, I think. But I only listened to this one. I should go back and, and listen some more, you know? I yeah. should, right? Sure. To the other ones? Yeah. I mean, the you know, that one won a Juno Award, so. <laughs> You're such a dick. I have what? friends that have won Junos. Oh, really? Hey, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, Jen really likes this record and this band. Um, she's actually seen this band play. And she told me that it was the best show she's ever seen live. And she's seen Nine Inch Nails and Kiss. And I was like, huh. I reminded her, I'm like, you've seen Nine Inch Nails and Kiss. Do you want to amend that statement? And she said, no, this is by, this is the best rock show she'd ever seen. It was the <laughs> most entertaining. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it was great, but our, our relationship kind of lost a little shine after she said that. I, I just can't, <laughs> I can't imagine these guys being better than Kiss or Nine Inch Nails. Like, like, oh, what the fuck? So, I mean, this, you know, for anyone to have seen Kiss multiple times and say that something else was a better show, it would have to be amazing. You have to remember that not everyone is as impressed with Pyro and 60-something-year-olds in, like, scary character makeup. Mike, come on now. No, I take that back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, dude. The Kiss show is, you know, I've brought friends who don't like Kiss to Kiss shows and they, they were like, this is the best live show I've ever seen. No, I brought John Roderick to the Kiss show and he talked shit about them all the way there. And then we met them and saw the acoustic show and the rock show and we both left like floating while our feet weren't even touching the ground. (laughs) I bet. You know? Um, I will say that, oh, look at this. I'm looking at their thing. I'm looking at their, at their wiki page. Mm-hmm. And I, for whatever reason, I just wanted to see pictures of them and I, I'm not reading anything, but my eye caught this 2010, the NFL purchased rights to wake up for Super Bowl, uh, whatever XL IV is, uh, right. for, for 44. <laughs> I think that must be 44, 54, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> IV means four, I know that. I don't know what L is. Yeah, I don't know what L um, is. X is 10, right? Yeah. What is L? 40, 50? I don't know. Yeah, we're not that high, are we? Maybe. Like, didn't the football championship thing start in the 60s or whatever? And I think 60, was it, yeah, 70 would be 50 years ago, so. Huh, yeah, I guess so. Well, Anyway, it was a long, 
long time ago. Yeah. And so I suppose that's when I that's when I heard the song uh, in an NFL game. It was a Super Bowl. Hmm. Incredible. What a great what a success story. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope they made some money from that. You goddamn bet your ass they did. <laughs> um and good for them. Here's the thing. This album, I think, is kind of created the template or the model for what indie rock was going to be for the following 10 years. Right. You know? I'm trying to imagine what sort of led us up to this point. We had the lo-fi sing-songiness of the Shins' first album already. Mm-hmm. We had... Uh, what is that? What is that band that's kind of whimsical that was also on Merge? I, I love how you the... ask me this stuff. <laughs> I don't even know who Greg Dooley is. Like, I think he's a high school wrestler, and you're asking me what you did. Like, I was like, he was a high school wrestler. Interesting. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, here he is in his singlet. <laughs> I'm like, I think we're thinking about two different people. Yeah. Um. No, what the goddamn, what was this band called? They were the uh, the airplane above the sea or whatever, you know. Um, come on, you don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about? Nope. <sighs> airplane above Let's the see. sea. Um, the only, only airplane related album I can think of is License to Ill. In the Airplane Over the Sea is a second album by American rock band at Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> You don't know who that is? I've never heard those words uttered together in my entire life. They're awesome. Okay. It's great. It's good. It's good. Even you might like it. It has some of the whimsical qualities. <laughs> I know whimsical <laughs> probably doesn't seem like, because I use that term to describe like, you know, candle makers who have, you know, who tie their hair up with dry grass and sticks, you know, <laughs> You know, like that's that's a whim, that's whimsy, right, to me. But it has some of those characteristics. Like it's up tempo, and even the sad songs seem hopeful. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because even before reading the um, lyrics last night, for some reason, listening to this record makes me sad. Really? Yeah, I I don't know. It just makes me feel blue when I listen to it. Not not well, not that it's bad, um, but you know. The, I mean, his vocal delivery, see, it feels like, um, it feels honest, you know, it feels like, and it feels pained to right. me, you know? Um, and I don't think there's a lot of major key shit going on here. Yeah. Mm, maybe that rebellion song is, is in a major key, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold on, is that... Is that that in fucking B-flat? I don't know. It's in fucking B-flat. What the fuck? Wow. It's a not a popular... I wonder if they must have capoed. I'll bet if you look up live, unless my bass is tuned down a half step, I don't think it is. Mm. I think that's... Um, I bet that's a capo song. First, first fret. 
Maybe. Key of B flat. Weird. See, that's the kind of shit that indie rock bands do. They write songs <laughs> in the key of B flat. Major. Which is cool. I mean, this is, you know, I don't know. I guess I have enough, exp- I've, ha- I've had enough positive experiences with music outside of rock, hard rock, heavy metal, punk rock, that by the time this record came along, I was ready for it. And it just like, it resonated with me. And I'm going to go ahead and grade it right now and give it a fucking solid A. 96. <laughs> 96. All That's right. the highest grade I've given any of our records so far, I think. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. 96, man. I, this record. This, this is the point in the show where I give you space to change your grade. <laughs> <laughs> You're always like, oh, 96, solid A. Well, maybe a A minus. <laughs> you know, this and this made me mad. And then you take me to task uh, on my grade. And then uh, we argue about the grading scale. And then, uh-huh. uh, yeah, that's how the show goes. Here's what I think. I think that uh, today, this morning when I was drinking coffee, I was like, I should look at the Wikipedia page for the record. See if there's anything interesting there. Um, what I learned was that it was pretty much universally celebrated by every critic because it's impossible to hate this album. Yeah. Nobody, nobody hates it. Nobody even dislikes it. It's that good. And if you don't like this record, you should go talk to someone because probably there's <laughs> probably you are having a rough year. It's been a tough year for everyone. And maybe this year is the year you could get on a Zoom meeting and talk to someone and figure out what it is that's been going on and holding you back because this album is great. Now, here's one re- here's another reason why I love this record so much and that I want to celebrate it and I want more and more and more people to celebrate it. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Apparently, it was second only to kid a <laughs> oh motherfucker i know where you're going with this sorry go ahead <laughs> it was second only to kid a on like a number of top 100 albums of the 2000s yeah pitchfork uh rated it number two in their list of top 200 albums of the 2000s behind kid a fuck, yeah dude. fuck kid a what the fuck is wrong with you guys <laughs> This Are is why the music me? industry is and an establishment is fucking bullshit. So uh, Rolling Stones <laughs> 500 greatest albums of all time. Kid A is rated at 51. Zeppelin 4 is at 69. Purple Rain is at 76. Okay? What? Yeah. Santana is at 149 and this record is at 151. Fuck you Rolling Stone, you fucking idiots. What's number 1? What, tell me what what is number oh, 1? Oh, some Bob Dylan's fucking record. Really? I would think so. I'm pretty sure. No, let's see. Tell me. I'll look it up. How are were oh, you just sorry. making those Sar- numbers Sergeant up? Sergeant Pepper, number 1. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. That's good. I don't know if I agree with that, but man, I mean, it's a I take I take the White Album yeah, over me too. Sergeant Pepper's. 
Number two, Pet Shop, uh, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. <laughs> pet Shop Boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Number two, Pet Shop Boys. Uh, three All is right. Revolver. Four is Highway 61 by Dylan. Five is Rubber Soul. Uh, six is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Exile on Main Street is seven. London Calling, eight. Eh. Uh, Blonde on Blonde by Bowie is, uh, Dylan is nine. White Album is 10. So. Well, so in the top 10, we don't have, in the top 10, we have No Who, we nope. have one Stones album, and we have no Zeppelin. Correct. Where does Zeppelin get introduced into this list? What is their highest ranking uh, album? The Who is at number 28 with Who's Next. Uh, 29 is Zeppelin's first record. Let's see if that's the first entry in the list. Do a search here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first Zeppelin record is, uh, their first entry in the list at number 29. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at this thing now. I'm looking at this piece of shit now and this has, and I'm sure that this is going to make you happy <laughs> in some way, Okay. but here, check this out. I just, I take issue with this. Number 15, Are You Experienced? That's fine. Number 16, Blood on the Tracks. That's a bad neighbor, okay? I don't want him in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Number 17, Never Mind. Number 18, Born to Run. Now, Born to Run is a great song. I don't know about the record. (laughs) Uh, Number 19, Astral Weeks. It's a good album, but number 19, I don't know, number nine. So they're saying that Astral Weeks is is one greater, because this is the greatest right. of all time, one greater than Thriller. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, no. Seriously, Thriller is a top 10 album of all time. Yeah. And and there's there are multiple ways to support that statement. Yeah. All of them very public. Plastic Ono Band, number 23. That's where John Lennon's solo shit is introduced. And that is above Intervisions, which I don't... God, I don't know, man. This is a shit list. Yeah, it's so bad. I mean, here's the thing. And this also has Fleetwood Mac rumors above Who's Next and Zeppelin 1. Ooh, that's tough. Those are three fucking great Uh, albums. I just am seeing entirely too much Bob... I feel like every four albums I'm seeing Bob Dylan. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. This is a shit list. Where and this album comes in in at what? Uh, one fifty one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. This uh, this list so on Genius dot com from uh, Rolling Stone's greatest albums of twenty twelve. Uh, this the problem is they update this fucking list. And so right with the same records. Yeah. So, uh, well, they add, I would assume they add new records. So, uh, one source has kid a listed as number 51. Another, the one I'm looking at now has it listed as, uh, number 67. So, so it's dropping. That's good. History is starting to correct itself. (laughs) It's turning our way. It's turning our way. Black and black and black is 77. Holy shit. You know, you can't rewrite history. Uh, I mean, it's good that they they have a Nation of Millions in the top yeah, 50. I, I I'd like to see that. That uh, makes me happy. I yeah. mean, Love Supreme is right there. Bob Marley. I'm surprised, uh, like, Ramones and stuff uh, is 
as high as it is on this list, I would think these people wouldn't appreciate that. I guess I want to call this out and this might be weird. Oh no, I guess that's maybe isn't a good statement to make. It just seemed a little suspicious to me that like, I didn't see any black artists. And then all of a sudden 48, 47 and 46 were all black artists. And I was like, Oh, it looks like someone pulled their head out of their ass and they're like, Oh, we should add some black people. (laughs) Right. Well, I think at the beginning of the list, there's a lot of stuff, isn't there? No, um, I it's like the Marvin Beatles. Number, it doesn't get any whiter than that. Uh, Marvin Gaye's number six. Right. Miles is number 12. So there's a couple. Okay. 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 Maybe that's just a symptom of my sensitivity to what's going on these days. Yeah. I'm just like, well, that's a little suspicious. Right. And also right. like Astral, like I just keep going back to Born to Run and Astral Weeks. Like that's those two records, like seriously, those two records are greater than Thriller. Yeah. I mean, it's, and also also greater than than Chuck Berry's fucking The Great 28. Here's here's one that I take issue with. I love The Stooges. I I think uh, and they have raw power listed as at 128, two spots. I'm sorry, three spots above Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> So uh, Rob Power's 128, Paranoid by Sabbath is 131. You people should be ashamed of yourselves for this fucking list. I mean, I wonder if they could break it down categorically, if that would remove some of... You know, I guess if I had to say, like, what are the greatest... Because it's so subjective, right? Like, because in my top 10 greatest albums of all time is Yank Crime. Oh, and fuck so, yeah, dude. What a fucking great record. You know, uh, nobody that reads Rolling Stone even knows who that is. Right, who, right. Who, who made that record. Yeah. Mm. I guess. But, but I learned about it at the perfect time. You know, it just like, it like, it changed my DNA. You know, it changed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that first mm. track off that song, dude. Or off that record. Oh. I would love to get John Reese on, uh, on Couch Riffs. The best. So good. Holy fuck, dude. I saw them a few years ago when they did their thing. Yeah, I did too in uh, Portland. Uh, It was so happy. Yeah. I just thought I would never get to see them play live. I didn't either. And it was great. We saw them outside. Um, at like the, you know, what, what's that beer that all the rodeo roundup? No, what's that beer? Paps. It was a Paps blue ribbon festival thing. And, uh, yeah, there's hardly anybody paying attention to him. So we got really close to the stage. Like they killed, it was so good. And like everybody around was like so excited to see them, you know, like, yeah, it was fantastic. So, and I think the hot snakes are good too, man. Like, um, I never saw them, but I love their records. Yeah, no, I've seen the Hot Snake a bunch of times. They're they're really good. So, um, yeah. What's your grade? Uh, I'm giving this this record solid A, man. Really? Yeah. Give it a number. I want another number. <sighs> I like. Um, I'm gonna have to deduct some points for too many instruments. <laughs> Are you trying to say that more is less? 
Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I say, I'd say I like 95% of this record. So you're going to even a 95, only one point less than me. Yeah. Is that the, is that the closest that we've been in agreement so far? Mm, yeah, let's see. Well, I don't, what do we give the who record? Oh, I don't remember. I would think we're probably pretty close on that one too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm, a. Yeah, man, absolutely. These guys are MVPs. I mean, it seems so strange to me that a Canadian indie rock band that <laughs> sings in French and has a fucking banjo would be the like collectively graded the highest of any record that we've we have reviewed so far. Yeah, but it's that's the truth. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Regardless of their uh, instrumentation or their, you know, how they... Regionality. Regionality, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, their indie rockness, you know, with their haircuts and tweed suit jackets or whatever the fuck they wear. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about great songs for me, you know, and I would think it is for you as well. Yeah. Um, and these songs are so great. It, it, it cut through any bullshit um, and so, yeah, I would, I wish that I would have, I wish I would have read all every member's autobiography now before that we did this. <laughs> so I could have just been an expert. Although maybe if I knew more about them, I wouldn't have, you know, like there's always that thing where, wow, maybe you learn something about them that you don't like, and then you don't end up enjoying the music anymore. Yeah. I will say, um, I think being a DJ is like the dumbest thing in the world. Um, and I found out that that guy, Wynn Butler does some DJ sets, which disappointed me. But then when I found out his DJ name, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's DJ windows 98. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yep, I like this guy, DJ windows 98 fucking brilliant. <sighs> What Did you know that I I, d I DJed at the downtown Stumptown when I lived in Portland? Do you oh, know what God. my name was? No, huh? It was the D, uh, DJ, the Reverend Al Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Uh, do you know Rachel Demi? Do you know her? Yes. Yeah, she's married to uh, the guy in the Dashboard Confessional or whatever. Death Cab. Oh right. I I don't know. Some band from Seattle. Uh, anyways, she, <laughs> she would always tell me she were, she used to work the door at Burbati's, right? Yeah. yeah. She was, uh, yeah. I think she did like, uh, tour booking and stuff like that. Super, super cool. She's person. rad. I, yeah. yeah. She's great. One of my favorite people. Unfortunately, she moved away and we've lost touch, but, um, uh, I'll tell her you said hi. Okay. Um, she, she told, she told me that if she was ever a DJ, uh, her DJ name would be DJ, I hate DJ. Fuck. Her DJ name would be DJ. Clearly you didn't write this one down. No, I didn't. <laughs> Fuck you. <clears throat> she told me that her DJ name would be DJ, I hate DJ Teenage. <laughs> DJ Teenage is a very popular DJ in Portland, or was. Right. I remember. Yeah. DJ, I hate I... DJ Teenage. Yeah. Thought that wow. was funny. <laughs> Maybe it's only funny if you know Rachel, but uh, or if you know DJ Teenage. Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't even know who it is. I fuck. I fuck if I know. Right. What if 
What if DJ Teenage is the nicest person ever? He's a DJ, dude. Like, <laughs> I think I think that there is something to being a DJ that I, and I don't mean like us being a scratch DJ or a mix DJ or whatever is one thing, but like DJing something, an event or whatever is kind of fun. If you've never done it, you're you should check in with yourself. You should do it. It's no, actually really fun. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's super fun. Just like masturbation is super fun, but I don't need to see other dudes doing it, you know? Like <laughs> Right. It's the difference between your terrible analogy and <laughs> and reality is that no one goes to a club in in a silent club while someone masturbates on a well, I guess that's not entirely Dude, true. Dude, you used to but, live in Portland. There's plenty of places like that. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of places, but you know what? There's a DJ at every one of those places. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) And Johnny Shiitake is one of them. (laughs) Uh, fuck. Uh, a DJ, you know, there is, there's a, there's value in, in DJ. Really? Yeah, man. I just. It's fun. It's good. People need music. Like imagine if it was just programmed music, if the owner of a bar or a club or restaurant was just like, I made this mix back in 2004 and uh, hell, it worked then. And so fuck it. It still works now. If it ain't broke, don't break it. Right? Like, well, I'll, you know, that vibe doesn't work every night. No, 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 no. I'm more than happy to he- he- to listen to a well-curated list of songs. Yeah, so long as they're contemporary songs from the 1990s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so long as there's nothing too I just, new. I, you know, like, I, I don't... Like, what's so special about some dude just playing shit off his iPod? I don't, I don't get how that's an artist. Well, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I mean, that's not what I did. I also had a radio show, though. Yeah. In my in the many degrees of my life, I know I was going to say Jesus Christ, the ten <laughs> lives of Mike Squires. It was a pirate radio show. <laughs> really? Yeah, we, there was a pirate radio station in Seattle called FUCC, and it was all. <laughs> isn't really? that great? It's brilliant. Yeah, and um, the all the equipment was donated by Eddie Vedder. Like when they went out on oh, tour wow. on on their second record. Um, he, I've, I've only, I've never had a conversation with him. I've only been around and met him once or twice. Yeah. And, but by all accounts, he seems like a very cool guy. Mm-hmm. And when they made that second record, he was just like, I'm not going to get in the bus or whatever. I'm not flying. I'm not getting the bus. He got a van and bought a bunch of pirate radio transmitting shit. And he drove the van around with this guy and they would park the van uh, at the venues where they were playing, which were like fucking arenas, right? Yeah. And then they would broadcast the show, the live concert over the airwaves for people who couldn't get in. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that's cool. So if you went and you couldn't get a ticket, if you could get near the venue, you could pick up the transmission. Oh, that's awesome. That's pretty great, right? Yeah, that's really cool. What a fucking cool and like genuinely rad punk rock thing to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of their music per se, but, um, you know, I think them trying to take it to Ticketmaster and stuff in the nineties. Yeah. You know, no, they have, uh, they have good values. I've I've only had one run in with Eddie Vedder and it was a literal run in. Uh, we were in Seattle to see the Stooges and I'm walking into a bathroom and I get shoulder checked so much that I like almost fall down and I look up and it's fucking Eddie Vedder just like hauling ass to the stage. So, <laughs> uh, where was it at? Um, Showbox? No, it was at some arena where they, you know, they kind of curtain off part of the arena and it's called in, you know, uh, I think yeah. in Portland they call it, um, I forget what they call it, but. I was going to just say that at the show box, you have to walk, you know, like, well, you know, the side of stage, at sh- there's no side stage at Showbox, right. So it's just like the stage is there and it's just sort of like, boom, floating in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Off on, against the wall. And then on one side is the women's restroom and on the other side is the men's restroom. And you, the, the path between the green room and the men's public men's room intersect. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So security has to stop people from going to the bathroom <laughs> while the bands are going to take the stage. It's very like, there's a lot of potential awkwardness there. Yeah. Now this is at one of the arenas in Seattle. Um, hmm. But weird. Yeah. What a great show. What a great night. Yeah. Oh, hey, hmm. FYI. However you pronounce that, un année sans lumière, mm-hmm. it, it means a year without light. Hey, nice. Right? I mean, now when you look at it and you're like, oh, sans, sure, I get that. Un, one, I get it. Oh, annie, annual, yeah, okay, one year. Lumière, okay, light, yeah. If I sat down for a week, I probably would have been able to translate that just from <laughs> my Spanish experience. Right. Because there's, they have similarities, but... Uh, thank, thank you, Google. <laughs> At least you think that's what it means. What's that? Yeah. Well, Google thinks so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but, it must be true. Yeah. They don't have a history of, uh, fucking up, uh, <laughs> other languages to English translation and, and back. So, uh, what, <sighs> what do we have coming up? That is a good question. Let me look. Oh, I think it's like clutch or something, right? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's fucking great. You know, really? I... Oh, yeah. Dude, you you don't know Clutch <laughs> at all, right? I do not. They're killer. They're great. They're great. You're going <laughs> to... I think you're going to like it. I don't know. I don't have high hopes. You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a dick. What? <clears throat> Just, uh, you know what? Where are they Just, on the uh, list of 500 greatest albums of all time? Well, we already discussed that that was a horse shit. That was a steaming pile of horse shit list. Yeah, no, absolutely. So they're not on there because they're not horse shit. There's a, I bet, I'll bet that Yank Crime's not on that list. Oh, motherfucker, you're probably right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'll bet, oh, you know what? I've, I'll bet you that... I wonder where Black Flag enters that list, and I wonder where Minor Threat enters that list, oh, if at all. I bet they do. Just trying to make me more angry. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> oh, damage at three forty. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Three forty. Oh my god! And Exile in Guyville is three twenty-seven. Uh, you would put that in your top twenty, right? Oh, for sure. 
Oh, minus. That's not even on the fucking list. Is that right? Uh, when I do a search not for minor threat. Not even on the list. Not even on the list. Nope. What about Fugazi? Eh, also not on the list. Really? Yep. Huh. <laughs> Fuck Rolling Stone, dude. Yeah, that's a bad call, you guys. Yeah. Jesus I'm Christ. canceling my make-believe subscription now. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hooskadoo comes in at 488 with New Day Rising. Hoosker? I don't even know her. <laughs> uh, oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Fuck this list. Yeah. All right, All right dude. So next we got week. Clutch, Clutch next week. Ugh. I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. You know what? Here comes Mr. Big. Mm. Time to go out and go potty. It is time to go out and go potty. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna send you a link to that clutch video. All right. Cool. Yeah. I'll check it out. I'm gonna upload this thing to our the special place, mm-hmm. and you can find it there. Sounds good, man. <laughs> and I'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Go to the